it going, everyone? Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to what is, I believe, episode 67 of Joe vs. the World, if you go by the original numbering. I joining know. me today is... All right. Speaking of such, joining me today is the commissioner of the Urbane Wrestling Federation, <laughs> Justin Shapiro. How you doing, Justin? I treat these as specific uh, super shows, if you will. I see. Justin is a uh, very busy man. The third one. The third wow. super show. Yes. Kind of a... um. Kind of our Saturday night's main event, although taped on a Monday, and probably enjoyed by more people than the return of Saturday night's main event. But that is a story for a little later. Boom! Here comes the boom! Ready? <laughs> that was the song that they used. <laughs> Today we are covering 1992 in the WWF, and, uh, or 1992, if you're Tretch from Naughty by Nature. Joe, but, um, that's what I was, I was going to make that joke. Really? All right. We're already we in sync. already Simponico. Was it Naughty 2, though? I wasn't sure of myself whether it was Naughty 2. I know it was some date in the early Naughties, but was it... It was not... I believe it was Naughty 2. Okay. No, it may have been Naughty 3. I gotta look this up. I don't know. Oh, no. I'm confused. So, um... Naughty boy. Great radio, as Brian Alvarez would say. You can hear the typing, though, so we know you're trying. Let's see here. From East Orange, New Jersey. Hmm. Shouldn't that come up immediately, though? Are you using Smart Search? Oh, it was 1993. Oh. Shit! Well, let's um, <laughs> guess how we're going to open the show next time. Next time. That's, well, I'm glad we've already prepared for that. I feel like but, the seeds of Naughty 3 were um, planted in Naughty 2, though. Hip-hop hooray. Like the, the Naughty's tech boom and such. Oh. <laughs> All right. Since uh, since we are covering 1992 today, and since it was his last big run in the WWF, we should make a mention of Randy Savage. I know you and Alan did a whole show on him, and pretty much everything that uh, could be said has been. But I want to add this. Well, yes, please do, because you'll note that the the tribute we did to Randy Savage was something like a fifth as long as the tribute <laughs> that you, myself, and he did to the Quebecers. So please say something better. I, the one thing that surprised me was um, the reverence the mainstream media showed in his in stories about his death. Like, if you look, all right, here's a guy who called himself the Macho Man, and for a while the Macho King. You look at the outfits he wore, especially anything with a cowboy hat, and basically anything that came out of his mouth. And you and I, we, we don't blink at this. We're like, okay, business as usual. But like, you would think outsiders would consider this man a lunatic, but no, everyone was like, he he was great, and, and he certainly was. I think it's just a situation where people from then are at the perfect age now to commemorate that and like the, the exact level of uh, control and in chargingness of uh, the current like media. Also, the media now is very. Twitter is an amazing thing, Joe. Social networking. Oh. So it kind of um, changes, I guess, control of what things are going to be important stories and what aren't. Oh, so, and um, I, I just, I find it funny in my, my old man nature that when I see people like, oh, yeah, when I started watching during the Monday Night Wars, he was great, and I shake my head and say, oh, you poor fans. <laughs> you weren't around in 1985 when he debuted, and that was crazy. But the thing is, someone in, like, Kentucky would hear me say that and shake their head and be like, oh, man, you should have seen him back in his, like, w- like we basically missed his athletic peak. Like, he didn't show up until he was, like, in his 30s, right, in the WWF? That sounds right, yeah. That 
that's crazy to me. <laughs> like, his athletic prime was in front of like, you hear about 90 minute matches with Bobby Eaton in front of 100 people. That's, and there certainly was no YouTube or handhelds or smart mark video or anything like that. And that's all lost. And that's crazy to me. He must have been jumping off the fourth turnbuckle to the floor. <laughs> uh, well, before we dive headfirst into 1992, we have a few house cleaning things to, that we, uh, that we missed last show that will become relevant later on. First is that, uh, SummerSlam 91, the Ultimate Warrior chased Sergeant Slayer's goons to the back, and he kept on running, and he, <laughs> he was gone. And my question to you, did you notice this, that he was gone? It's not like they, they didn't announce anything about it. He just, he just vanished. Yeah, um, I did after time, and I thought, yeah. just like, and my patience was rewarded in the long run. I was just like, well, he must just be um, away <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> He is. I couldn't comprehend I things like employees. I was just like, <laughs> he is a wrestler, therefore he exists in this universe, the WWF yeah, universe. It, you don't really think of him going to work and having a boss. Like he's the ultimate warrior. Right. He exists on a plane by himself, maybe quite literally. But yeah, that was, and it was like we had this bright, shiny new toy in Sid who was posing with Hulk Hogan as the warrior was running out onto. I-90 at the time, so. Uh, next note is, uh, primetime wrestling moved from a studio audience format to a panel format featuring Vince, Gorilla, Bobby Heenan, and, uh, others. And this becomes important quite later. In November, to be mm-hmm. precise. Grand workplace. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we should mention the World Bodybuilding Federation. Now, this is Vince's worst on-paper idea for an outside venture ever, right? Has to be. Yes. I mean, okay, movies with wrestlers. Um, all right, I'll, I'll buy that. Okay, they small exist. budget. Yeah. XFL, well, that's that's real bad, but, um, you know, who knows? You never know. Maybe something. A restaurant? Oh, why not? You know, but as a kid, like, I knew this was stupid. Bodybuilding pay-per-views? <laughs> and he, didn't Vince think this would subsidize the WWF, which is having trouble at the time? It was, uh... <laughs> I was deeply offended that they would, like... I don't know, the magazine and certainly on TV where it was just like profiles of the uh, the WBF superstars. It was like, hmm. look at this guy. This is his <laughs> personality of how he flexes and only just that. You're going to love it. <laughs> that girl from the show is interested, Cammy or whatever. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I've ne- aside from what aired on the TV, I've never seen any of it. I didn't see whatever their pay-per-view is called, like Body Mania or something. <laughs> something like that. Take a guess on uh, on the number of buys the last uh, pay-per-view did. Their last pay-per-view. I, was, I went through all the observers from 1992, so I have all this great minutia information. Some huge number. <laughs> It's either really big or really small, and you guessed wrong. <laughs> I, as far as I know, it did really well. So correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Three thousand was the number of buys for uh, the final pay per view. Which you gotta is, understand, um, Joe, the pay per view universe at that point. Uh, if they had uh, overseas, think of all the. Uh, <laughs> well, that's true. It'd probably be in the in the black. But um, I like how the, the Wikipedia page for the WBF says formation. 
September 19th, 1990, and then Extinction, <laughs> July 1992. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the whole <laughs> bodybuilding thing went under. If only they did strongman competitions like you see on ESPN3. Extreme Maybe with nation. WWF guys. Yeah. Didn't they play Family Feud? Was they did. Yeah. I, I, I did not delve into that in the, the clips I reviewed for 1992. Well, survey says huge success. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good answer. <laughs> All right. There's only one place we can start with 1992. That's Conan Chris Walker. The WWF raided the Global Wrestling Federation, and this is who they came up with. As his name would designate a, uh, a big jacked-up guy. And um, he did very little. His biggest win was the dark match at the Royal Rumble, where he beat the Brooklyn Brawler, not by pinfall, but by Jack Tunney coming out and reversing the decision <laughs> after the brawler won with his feet on the ropes. And he was gone in a few months. Wow. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. So um, it's funny that uh, WCW... I'm, I'm just thinking, like, you have nothing better to do yeah. <laughs> at the Rumble? Yeah, than, you uh, be this... overseeing the Tumblr. You would think. it's That was very important. We have to. So WWF picked up Big Bully Busick and Chris Walker... Well, uh, WCW got the Handsome Stranger in Harlem Heat, so some rare talent misfire from the WWF in uh, their talent acquisition. The Lightning Kid just landed on his head back in Minnesota. <laughs> Does JBL count, too? That's probably uh, Not for a while. No. I have to go to Germany and learn the way. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Royal Rumble, let's, uh, let's dive in, or... Um, Maybe about two days before, because uh, if, if 1991 was a year of a lot of crazy angles and characters that went nowhere, the 92 was a year where they, they introduced a lot of successful characters, but had a lot of really crazy booking where you were like, huh, what? I was going to say, wait, what? Because I came up with that before Norm <laughs> McDonald's show. Like the day that debuted, I scribbled that down and said, ah, that's pretty good. But um, I don't want to look like I'm stealing it, but his show got canceled, so Ooh, I don't feel yep. so who, who had staying power? Us. With the H, so um, yes, this uh, the show was going to feature Bret Hart versus the Mountie for the IC title, but he lost the belt to the Mountie on a house show in Springfield, Massachusetts, two days before, uh, due to having a 104 degree temperature and the flu, and this led to the Mountie fighting Roddy Piper at the Royal Rumble, and it was on the syndicated shows before the Rumble, and uh, I missed them and showed up to watch the Rumble and was very very confused because they didn't really do this back then. And no. the old rumor was because uh, Brett was negotiating with WCW, but it, it turns out this was just the plan they had, I guess, just to have Piper drop Just an angle to Brett. get to Brett versus Piper. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, very, very strange. It's funny because they've done that with the Intercontinental title repeatedly. Hmm. <laughs> but, uh, I guess, what, two summers slams in a row? Or Yeah. I, I kind of felt bad because I kept being like, oh, Brett Hart had the flu. He had a 104-degree temperature. He shouldn't have been out of bed. And I'm like... <laughs> Can he just lose to the Mountie? It's not that, you know. Poor Mountie. The Mountie of all people. That uh, guy. Humanity. Um, yeah, and Mountie went on it to be like one of the joke answers for IC champions who gets brought up every 10 years by like 1999 versus Jericho and uh, <laughs> Santino. Hon- what? meter Santino. <laughs> Very good callback. Thank you. Uh, yeah, anyway. I think uh, in the in the macro, like, 92 is this year that 
gets looked back on fondly just because they accidentally had all these awesome pay-per-view main events yeah. <laughs> because things kept getting screwed up. And they were like, oops. And he, I mean, WWF was such a machine where it's just like, Hogan gets sat on, Hogan comes back. <laughs> and uh, they couldn't do that anymore. No, they could Something not. Something went awry. Mm. Anyway, to the to the Rumble itself, it did feature Roddy Piper unexpectedly winning the bell from the Mountie in, in a really awesome moment. That's a big mark-out moment, as they say. And uh, the rest of the undercard was rather tag-heavy because you obviously wanted all the singles guys vying for the uh, the world championship. I don't know why. I seriously just figured this out when I was going over the show. I always wondered, like, hmm, a lot of tag matches. I wonder why. <laughs> but um, not to be. But it, uh, it was a deep division with a lot of programs. Hmm. This uh, paid off well. We had the new foundation beating the Orient Express, which is uh, not quite Rocker's Orient Express. Still quite good. And uh, it paid fewer dividends in the 15-minute Bushwhacker Beverly Brothers match, which was poor. It's and, uh, funny because like those are both uh, New Foundation Orients is the ghost of Rockers Orients, and Bushwhackers Beverly Brothers was the ghost of Bushwhackers Rougeau's. Oh man! Prior Rumbles. Hmm. And hadn't thought about that. And they both wait. Who was the? Oh no, this one had Jameson counteracting the genius, if I remember correctly. You in fact do. And. Uh, we also had a Legion of Doom Natural Disasters tag title match that ended in a count-out win for the heels of all things, so that was also less than good. To bring it back for Mania, but then, again, things went awry. Things certainly did. I still I still don't know what happened. We, hopefully we can figure this out. But all right, As for the Rumble itself, everyone knows this one. Ric Flair goes for an hour, he wins the WWF title, and Bobby Heenan goes nuts on commentary. Like, everyone loves this... this uh, this was like the first opinion you got assigned when you started following wrestling on the internet. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I wondered, like, how does this hold up? Because we've had a lot of, pretty much like the last decade, they've been pretty, like, really great rumbles. And I wondered how this one held up. I went back and watched it. And, um, I, I think it holds up really well. It's, there's like a, there's a three man stretch where, um, it's like Repo Man, Greg Valentine, and Nikolai Volkov, of all people, where it drags a little bit. But, you know, f- like we mentioned last time that Ric Flair, doesn't kick ass. He gets his ass kicked and somehow comes out on top in the end. And this was the ultimate example of that. Um, yeah, it's really well put together. And at the time, someone winning at number three was novel because the previous winners were, I think, what, 27, 25, and 24 is when they came out. So someone going that long was a real dramatic shift. Now it's not. Are you that guy in Numbers from the TV show Numbers? <laughs> I am, in fact, not, not the man Numbers. With a three no. for the E? In numbers, that was crazy, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I, now it's just something that, that happens uh, semi often because wrestling is fake. But I, I like the attention to detail that like he was able to do it because it was three. Like one is still an impossibility. You'd have to be, yeah. I mean, some kind of. And they never came out and said it, but it was clear that Sean's first to end run was fake because it was like thirty second intervals. Yes. That was very, very short. And uh, the ending saw Sid, Fish, uh, Sid Justice eliminate Hulk Hogan. And uh, Hogan responded by yanking Sid out, <laughs> and the crowd incorrectly booed Hulk Hogan. I don't know what the who laid that one out. It just doesn't make sense. Like, it's Hogan. We, we go with his whims. <laughs> it was... <laughs> and then, like, Sid Justice attacked Hulk from behind. <laughs> like, it's a bad 
<laughs> like I don't look I don't... at him, falling on him, <laughs> refusing to shake his hand. <sighs> so um I think it's clear today though that uh that thing would be nitpicked to death. Like you're gonna let Ric Flair win and then he wins by accident when one guy mm-hmm. pulls the other out. That's the, the nature the nature of it. That's neat. I'm sure people were uh doing that back then, although in much, much smaller numbers, but <laughs> I'm sure there was a small contingent. <laughs> do we all have a story, I don't know if it was maybe from this one, but where you do a rumble pool and someone drew the early guy and they're like, ah, peas. As it goes. <laughs> Did you say peas? Yes. Okay. That's what a little kid says. Oh, alright. In between, okay. like, firing a slingshot and putting a frog in their pocket, they're like, Ah, peas, I'm never going to win this. <laughs> and then it goes on, and they're just like, maybe I can do it. Maybe I can do it. I did it. They're never going to believe this at the playground. Uh, did you have that experience? No. I'm concerned about these little children gambling, but I guess if you have a slingshot, you're just on your way to, to jail. So. <laughs> Some real Dennis the Menace stuff. Yeah. Once I saw Dennis the Menace, maybe in 92, where uh, he made peanut butter by um, crumpling <laughs> up some... I was wondering where that was going. You said uh, peanut butter. Crumpling up anyway. some peanuts in some butter, and then I tried to do that, and my parents were like, um, we may rethink, like, the, uh, everything, because this wasn't smart. The comics pages was too controversial. <laughs> yeah. Superior it's fine, though. I know um, under, uh, independent of myself, you've become pretty much viral superstar video game-wise. You've taken the format to audio-visual, right? Yes. Congratulations the on that. Thank you. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm actually recording the next episode after this. So. Man, we're working hard today. We are. Doing it so, uh, big time. But my point was, um, so I... I just found out about it. There was this video game I played in 1992 called Final Fantasy II. Did you play that by chance? I did not. Yeah, too hard for you. You were <laughs> button masher. You didn't know. <laughs> Reverse. Smash the buttons. I have to wait my turn. What? <laughs> this door is locked. Where will a key be acquired? Hit it with A, or perhaps B. Um. Anyway, so. I didn't, I didn't even, couldn't conceive of this, but they came out with a sequel to the game from 1991, Final Fantasy II, which in Japan was 4, and they called it Final Fantasy IV, The After Years. And it's just like, I think the whole idea is just, A, to resell a game for easy money, but also just to play into nostalgia for people from, uh, from then. It's they don't. They don't really upgrade or anything. They just use the the same engine and put you back in there for some new adventures. And mm. uh, I was like, "Oh man, what? Porum, <laughs> Porum got hot. Oh my god, she was she was five years old in Final Fantasy two, and uh, a lot has happened. So, uh, but it, it's just weird between that and like the idea that the penguins might resign Yarmor Yager." I feel like anything that happened to me in my childhood is completely accessible now, and I can just have it forever. And it really spoils someone, you know? Between that and, like, WWE's um, cannibalizing its own its own history. It's just a weird time. 
And I think it's making everybody into like perpetual man children. But for now, it's enjoyable. <laughs> and uh, my long story short, that's why we have shows like this, Joe. So we're doing a service. I was really wondering where that was going, and I'm still not too sure where it went. But map it out. All right. The Rumble. Ooh. Sergeant Slaughter was my pick because he was a former world champion. <laughs> Was you, it promoted, you, or was that just like a fact that came out afterwards of all the like former champions? I think it was a PWI thing because they were like great champions of wrestling, like Karen Von Eric and Sergeant Slaughter could be favorites. <laughs> oh, PWI! Uh, <laughs> we uh, we started to get vignettes for a new wrestler, Native American Tatanka. Yeah, his vignettes were weird. He'd, he'd be out in the woods and talking about, like, the river is the source and I will be the river in the WWF. And, okay. And uh, Tatanka meant buffalo, and that was a Dances with Wolves ref- uh, reference, right? Sure. Just imagine if uh, if Goodfellas had won the Oscar instead. <laughs> Maybe Taz, Taz would have been called up eight years earlier as Joey Numbers. <laughs> anyway, I have... Uh, <laughs> I have uh I have nothing bad to say about Tatanka. I liked him. He was uh remember remember when he came back in like two thousand five, two thousand six? That was, was very strange. He had unfinished business. <laughs> I don't know what that was. That was weird. That's it's like anybody from before, now that we own all wrestling, must have been good because he was with us. So he's hmm. probably good now, right? And, uh Eminem found that out. <laughs> he chopped them on the head. Yeah. Anyway, Tatanka got those like really important feathers right away and lost them very soon, <laughs> very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he uh, he has a fan page, and you can sign up for uh, Tatanka's Tribal Club. Mm. I think it's uh, you can get daily fitness tips from him. Some of which may involve Ico Pro. I don't know. Is it? Um, I have no funny thing to say about that. Good. Oh. I, all right, great. a positive for people. <laughs> we uh, also got vignettes for Papa Shango Voodoo Man. Mm. We'll get to a lot more in a bit. And um, I will say the whole voodoo thing is not fondly remembered. In fact, Dave Meltzer listed it as a poll option in The Observer as to why business started to tank. But um, yeah. it's, I find it's... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I find it strange that like The Undertaker could do all this stuff now and... Um, he could make black goo come out of someone's head, and uh, people wouldn't really blink. It's like it's like his grandfathered in from a prior era. Like it's okay for him to do it, but anything you know, Papa Shango, that's Russell crap. But hey, Taker made this guy's light on fire. Yeah, Taker turned Bob Orton into a zombie briefly. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> is um, I think this- is Bob still in a state of zombie dome, or has that been fixed? <laughs> yes, he has hepatitis Z. <laughs> oh no! Bam! Oh lordy! Orton. Um. Yeah, I, I think that like this because remember uh, the transition from WWF to current uh, writing staff. WWF WWE came while Undertaker was a um, Booger Red. <laughs> So when they got him back, all those geeks who made it like, they're like, someday I'm going to be on podcasts, then they'll see. They're like, oh, yay, now we get to do fun stuff with lightning bolts. Good, good, good. 
I guess Kane was shooting lightning too uh, before that happened, but he mm. just took it. Uh, I think that's where all that comes from. There's like he's Undertaker. He is basically magic, and uh, that's more exciting for us than uh, writing. Um, I don't know, like uh, Devari vignettes. <laughs> Here's a story from uh, January 27th in Lubbock, Texas. <clears throat> Billy Jack Haynes reportedly drove to the taping after being told by Pat Patterson he could get a tryout. Once there, Vince McMahon told him he had already put the show together, didn't know Haynes was coming in, and couldn't use him. The same situation took place the next day in Amarillo. <laughs> but Billy Jack Haynes got his revenge, as we'll get to in a bit. Also, uh, Mario Gennetti got fired for, I believe, the second time after he had an altercation with a cop and was found with a gram of coke. And they were apparently going to do the Sean Marty match at WrestleMania 8, but El Metador ended up taking its spot, which was um, kind of too bad. Whoops. That's another thing that weirdly plays out repeatedly, because I'm sure they were going to keep it going in uh, 93, too. And Marty was just like, but I've got to be Marty. <laughs> <laughs> got fired again. That was disappointing, uh, too, because I really like the, um, I guess, continuity of Gennetti and Sean feuding and then the Hart Foundation carrying on and the new foundation. But then um, the other half of those teams both got fired before WrestleMania 8. So. Mm. Whoops. Well, Who would win I'm between just... the new foundation and the Leaf Cassidy Rockers? Um, Leaf Cassidy, I don't ever remember them winning a match, including one where I think the smoking guns walked out on the other. They couldn't <laughs> win that one, so I'm not my money on them. That was the right answer, Joe. Good work. Thank you. On to February, where we did not have a straight-up contender for the Mania title shot, so the logical thing to do was call a press conference. <laughs> the top five contenders, those being uh, Hogan, Savage, Justice, Piper, and Undertaker, who, yes, was um, sitting at the podium in front of the press... <laughs> And uh, Jack Tunney was reading the announcement, going over the qualifications of the number one contender. And in a moment of awkwardness, not seen until the office, Sid stood up before it was announced Hulk Hogan would receive the shot. In fact, uh, Sid got his own kind of confession cam as he told the press that Hulk Hogan was a piece of shit and Tunney was in his pocket and uh, that he, Sid, deserved the shot. And later he said, sorry if anyone misinterpreted that. Uh, let's team up, Hulkster. And, uh, <laughs> I had the same reaction to that as I did to the Rockers' um, dissension, where I was like, don't, no, he doesn't have to be this way. And uh, then they they were like, all right, we, you know what? Moving on forward as friends. And I was like, thank God. Oh, no. And uh, this was that again. I was like, Sid was acting weird. Well, we all have our bad days. Good. <laughs> But no, so, uh, he kept acting weird. Probably the seditious influence of handsome Harvey Whippleman. Oh, boy. So, uh, yes, this leads us to Sarah Knight's main event, which had moved from uh, NBC to Fox, was shortened to an hour, and was on in primetime. And the uh, main event was Hogan and Sid against Flair and Undertaker. And I asked what could go wrong. How about Sid walking out and leaving the Hulkster to die? Oh. Although not be, not be pinned, though. Nope. <laughs> This uh, this led to Sid going on to the barber shop and uh, getting in Bruce Beefcake's face, and uh, he went nuts and uh, face. He, yes, Brutus ran away, and uh, that was Sid's- so crazy back then because like they treated Brutus so fragilely that when he came mm. back in like the Dungeon of Doom and started wrestling again, I was like, God, be careful. <laughs> 
his face is gonna fall off. And, uh, no, apparently it was just fine. And, uh, then he became the booty man, so. Really, all good things for Brutus Beefcake. But yeah, Sid, that's, Sid threatened him. Like, yes, oh, and, uh, and then he, uh, he destroyed the, um, barbershop set, including smashing a bottle of shaving cream or talc powder or something, cause he had this white stuff all over his face, and he's laughing. He looks so coked out. It was, uh, actually an interesting visual. Yeah. More like so, uh, vicious. <laughs> yeah. So they changed the main event from Hogan Flair to Hogan Sid, which, um, <laughs> was weird, cause, uh, I just thought at the time the natural main event, being a man who, uh, knew of Ric Flair and his escapades, that the natural main event was Hogan Flair. They announced it and then they went back on it. And I know they have their reasons. I know Hogan was leaving after, uh, WrestleMania. You can't have him win the belt and you don't want him to fail, but it was just weird to me that, okay, here's your main main event and, uh, <laughs> no, you don't. And I mean, that's, that's pretty common. In fact, like right now, this is like probably as we speak, but, um, it's just strange. It uh, again. That's why I think people remember this year. Things got all crazy. Mm-hmm. Different things happened. I mean, it really. Um, ultimately, they could have just had Hogan like drop Flair and then Papa Shaka run in, and it <laughs> would have been the same. Like you missed the highlight of that whole uh, WrestleMania, but could have had Hogan Flair. <laughs> so. Um... Yeah, so uh, we started hearing rumblings. This was uh, Hulk Hogan's last, uh, could be his retirement match, because some stuff was going down, which we'll get to in a bit, in the sordid portion of our podcast. Yeah. Camelot anyway, was crumbling. Certainly was. Uh, anyway, this led to a change in the title match to Flair and Randy Savage. Ric Flair comes out on TV one week and basically says, I know something you don't know. Savage replied by saying, be direct. Seriously, that's what he said. And uh, so in one of the all-time great cells of the WWF magazine, Ric Flair reveals that he was with Elizabeth before Savage and printed pictures of them in the magazine having dinner, watching Tuesday Night Titans, and lounging by the pool with towels labeled R and L. What else could that stand for, asked <laughs> This caused Randy to flip out, as you would imagine. Untrue, he said. It turns out this was just a ploy, and that Flair altered some uh, yeah, pictures. Altered. <laughs> Apparently, you could alter pictures even back then. Well, and uh, given the stories some about some kind of shop for photos, <laughs> yes. given the stories about Randy Savage and the, his Observer obituary, uh, this was not a tactic I would have taken. I would have vetoed <laughs> this angle if I was Ric Flair. But um, the I mean, this whole angle where Ric Flair basically said, "You thought your wife was a virgin, but I screwed her and then tossed her aside." It was in really bad taste, and, and that's not a negative. Like, there's good bad taste and bad bad taste. Like, you know, Michael Cole ripping on Jerry Lawler's dead mom. That's kind of bad, bad taste. But Ric Flair being a slime ball in this manner, that's great bad taste. It was weird. It was, um, it was the, like, real Ric Flair character, which hadn't really been, uh, assimilated by WWF until that point. In late 80s Ric Flair, who was like, yeah, I do it with girls all the time. <laughs> Did he say Space Mountain when he was in WWF? I want to say he did, but I'm not sure. I don't know. It's, yeah. I know his we'll music go. was like a weird designer imposter. Hmm. And, uh, let's see. Speaking of Randy Savage, back to that Saturday Night's main event, he beat Jake Roberts to blow off their feud. 
This didn't sit too well with the snake, because he waited by the curtain with a chair to bonk whoever came through the curtain. He didn't care and he would've... came through first. Nope. It, I believe, would have been Elizabeth. and uh... But the Undertaker grabbed the chair from him at the last second. And Jake went on the funeral parlor and asked the Undertaker who side he was on. And Taker responded, not yours, which is not a good rationale for a, a babyface turn, because Undertaker had done a lot of terrible things, both yeah. with and without Jake. <laughs> Why he was this crossed the line and made him change his whole worldview, I don't know. He's basically but... a murderer because the ultimate warrior disappeared. <laughs> That's true. He killed, like, numerous enhancement talent. Yes. Put them away in body bags. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Managing yeah. the monster. <laughs> or a ghost like... or something. Was he a ghost? Um, Maybe. I think mean, really he was white. He was very, he was very pale. He's a ghost who liked puns. Mm. It was like they just like, okay, Undertaker's popular. Let's turn him face. Uh, you know, we've already we, we, made we, to yeah. match up from the Sid turn. Yes. Sides. So what uh, was that? Yeah. This led to the memorable scene where uh, Jake slammed a casket on the Undertaker's hand and DDT'd Paul Bear, and then Undertaker stalked him, lugging a casket that was trapped around his hand. Just more crazy, uh, like, mm. Memphis angles on WWF television. Yeah. Also on that Saturday Night's Main event, I want to mention the Mountie Roddy Piper rematch, which featured, uh, Piper keeping his shirt on. And, uh, mm. the Mountie tried to shock, uh, him with the cattle prod, but it didn't work. And announcers were confused, but it turns out Roddy Piper had a, uh, what do you call it, like a, uh, scuba shirt on underneath his uh, coat yeah. which said shock proof so he was immune <laughs> yes he was immune to the powers of electricity and I thought this was the most clever thing ever in wrestling or any medium whatsoever when I first saw it I still I still get a kick out of it I must say points to head points to head <laughs> that means <clears throat> so for a little while I had subscribed to a Pro Wrestling Illustrated Weekly which is basically a cross between The Observer and PWI. And the, the first one I got had the headline that IRS and Ted DiBiase won the tag titles from the Legion of Doom at a house show. Bullshit. This was, Where? This was odd. In, uh, I believe it was Denver, Colorado. What, they just have those and they're not on TV? That's Apparently. You're making stuff up. <laughs> it was it was extra weird because the Legion of Doom were feuding with the natural disasters and Ted IRS and Ted DiBiase... And they were a team before. They weren't a team. Um, like the the tag scene had kind of fallen in disarray because uh, I believe the Hart Foundation, Rockers, and Demolition had all broken up in the past year, and the Beverly Brothers were not a suitable replacement for them. <laughs> so there had been talk of maybe a DiBiase Shawn Michaels tag team, but obviously they just gotten yes. Shawn out of a tag team. So hey, these two guys, Team Sherry, Team Sherry, yeah, that's the working and, idea that I made up for that. So, uh, since these two guys liked money, they teamed them up and. Loved it. Yeah. In, uh, in storyline terms, they set it up by saying one of the Legion of Doom had gotten hurt. So Jimmy Hart said it was only fair that they fight another tag team, who were DBS and IRS, who won the tag titles. Apparently, this turned the natural disaster's face. Um. The natural disasters had received too many title bouts or something. Yes, they had too many title shots. And, uh. And, like, so you led to the disasters turning face and perfect I mean, baby faces. I mean, yeah, <laughs> tugboat slash typhoon had flopped so badly 
they turned him less than a year before, and Earthquake was the most hated man in the company for like two years straight. So it was just so weird, and they never they didn't air any of this. It was just um, they, the they just told you one week. Now. Yep. <laughs> hey, guess what? This thing that makes no sense. Now and um, what's happening? In fact, it yeah. always has been. So. And uh, it was was it that uh, Hawk flunked a drug test? Was that the? Uh... I mean, it was it was just the same kind of fallout that uh, with Hogan and eventually Sid and the Warlord, of course, all went. <laughs> but um, the difference with Hawk was they had, I think, hashed it out by WrestleMania. These were uh, getting into March. These were scandalous times, Justin. They were uh, steroids, sex scandals, raids in the locker room. Dave Meltzer on Donahue. <laughs> The weird thing is business was great, although that didn't last too long. And if you read The Observer, it's like The Inquirer. Like, someone even wrote in and pleaded with Dave to, like, stop Let's being so negative. talk about the matches, Dave. Yeah, that's pretty much what he said. And you can imagine what Dave wrote. In fact, you can imagine it in his voice because we hear him all the time. <laughs> Can't we just it have fun? Like, I, were you aware? On a, like, I kind of had inklings because, like, you know, you hear about Inside Edition, you know, doing something. But I'm like, huh, that's... That's weird, but things are still cool. It's all right. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't notice Hogan shrink or that he's like now wearing a cut-off red T-shirt thing. I didn't mm-hmm. notice any of it. I was like, "Yep, there's wrestlers, the best, <laughs> the world's best people." <laughs> Good job, wrestlers. Did you re- when did you start to rethink that, um, or have you? Um, still hold that. They're cool. Okay, good to know. Anyway, let's uh, let's go to WrestleMania Eight from the Hoosier Dome. Are this you was the last. Um, I don't think the Hoosier Dome is exists anymore. So, no. this was the last stadium WrestleMania until X Seven, and uh, I believe it was the last stadium pay per view until that that Royal Rumble in '97, which was inexplicably held. In. <laughs> like, I still don't get that. Like. They had Sean Why Michaels they... going for the title, and they're like, that's yeah. got to be 100 200,000 <laughs> seats right there. That was... That was bring that... in a bunch of them Lucha Libres to finish it off. <laughs> Print money. Lucha Libre uh, all over the damn place. They'll love it. Uh, there was an effort to trim the fat on this show, because... Heavy um, metal? <laughs> the uh, WrestleMania 8 dropped from a... Four hours the past couple of years have been to three, and there were nine matches as opposed to fourteen or so. And there was supposed <laughs> to be was a, a, from us. yes, well, there was supposed to be a bulldog berserker match, but I don't think that was ever going to happen. That sounds like a rib on the berserker. Like, sorry, Owen and Skinner went too long. Got to cut your match. <laughs> Did they even? I'm I'm sure that match was uh, just like one of those things Oakland threw and was just like, also huge news, <laughs> this match, and there was no angle where like. Um, Berserker tried to uh, stab um, Winston with his sword or anything. <laughs> threw him over the top rope. <laughs> that started a trend of uh, matches being left off WrestleMania because we were denied Bam Bam Kamala yes. the next year. And the uh, 8 or 10 man tag from WrestleMania 10, which we did see on Raw the next night. But there was a um, great thing on uh, the uh, the internet, on computers... Um, it was uh, the uh, the figure four message board. Your favorite WrestleMania memories, crudely drawn. In oh yes, I MS do. MS Paint, yeah. and there is a the the 
there was one where um, Daniel Bryan and Sheamus are weeping in each other's arms, and a sign <laughs> says, no wrestling allowed. And I think <laughs> Snooki is putting it up. And then there is a, a counterpart of Bam Bam Bigelow and Kamala at Caesar's Palace playing craps. And I think there was a counterpart with the Bulldog and Berserker just uh, probably um, doing some kind of uh, deeply slanderous illegal drugs backstage. So. Apparently the show only did uh, 300... <laughs> Thank you. Apparently the show only did 360,000 uh, $360, buys, which was a major disappointment. And it's funny because Dave points, to, uh, Dave Meltzer points to too many pay-per-views and the $30 price tag <laughs> as the culprits. Yep. Tuesday in Texas was the t- tipping point in Texas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I like this show. You had, uh, you had The Undertaker going to 2-0, and beating Jake after he kicked it, or he survived two DDTs, and, uh, I wonder if he thought, hmm, kicking out of finishers. I'm gonna tuck that away. <laughs> that just might come in handy. Yeah. And, uh, that was, uh, that was the end of Jake in a very, um, <laughs> savage. He got sort of tombstoned on the floor, even though there was like a foot of space between his head and the concrete, which is fine. I, I don't need it to be that realistic, but, um. But Jake would live was, on in, uh, Annually in WrestleMania video packages from like 2006 on forever. <laughs> That's true. Clonk on the floor over and over again. Uh, you had that time uh, he came back, remember, and was like, "Hey, Randy Orton, I know we both have a move that's all cool, but watch mm. out for the Undertaker." And I Randy do. Orton was like, "Jake the Snake, Jake the Snake, Roberts, <laughs> would you consider yourself a legend?" He got legend killed. Mm. Sad. So, do you remember that when that happened? I do remember that. That was because yeah. uh, Jake almost got him in the DDT, and everyone went. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um. Yep. So, yeah, that was that was funny. And then Jake, Jake was one of those guys who left who I didn't notice for a while, and then he came and DDT'd Sting on a chair, and I was like, "What in tarnation? This world is crazy." Rick Rude and Jake the Snake, WCW must be the place to be. <laughs> Spin that wheel. Uh, also on the show, you had uh, Bretton Piper, which was awesome, and uh, as was Flair and Savage, although uh, it was strange for the world title match to be in, in the in the middle of the show. Like, you know, like, it's great Randy gets to celebrate without Hulk Hogan in the ring, but, you know, it's like, okay, intermission. Yeah. <laughs> it was... Uh, We'd much rather end the show with the run-in. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> with an inconclusive finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, then the same thing happened again at, at SummerSlam, but that was much more understandable. Yes. but um, I don't think... The main event of Sid and Hogan, I don't think it's as bad as some folks say. It's not good, but it's not <laughs> like, you know... They, they went 13 minutes, not 20, and Hogan won by DQ and Papa Shango ran in. Where was The Rock to restart this match? <laughs> He's probably at the University of Miami now that I think of it. But, um. Keep going, though. Good things. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yes. It's like, oh, no, it's Papa Shango. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he run in? Did, was he just being a dick? Like, he didn't have any I don't know. issue. If Whippleman or, was involved or what? Could have been you, big bully, music. 
<laughs> I kind of doubt it, but we'll never know now. You'd have run in and started pulling Hogan's leg. <laughs> whatever that was. Stump pulling. Pulled his leg. There you go. You stand heart behind punch. him. Heart punch. Heart punch. <laughs> it did have the cool ending of the Ultimate Warrior returning, right, which the... realized he was gone. <laughs> It's pretty. I get. I mean, it couldn't have been Flair because they had their own thing. They're going to keep going. And yep. um, well, they, I mean, Sid was gone shortly, but there was like a um, a few weeks. I think they like they Undertaker was programmed with one of them, and Warrior was programmed with the other until Sid was fired. Yep. And uh, there was some bad stuff on the show. The Money Inc. Natural Disasters match was entirely heatless. I know you're stunned <laughs> from a feud that was pulled out of thin air, but um. I mean, overall, you know, uh, some stuff's not great, uh, but that's mostly kept short. It's a good presentation. It had uh, Lex Luger making his debut, so you had uh, Luger, Flair, and Vicious all on the same show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, however briefly. Yeah. And um, here's... <laughs> Ray Collins was there. Oh, that's right. His and uh, run with the company. <laughs> Were there any other celebrities on that show? I can't be bothered. Uh, He's the one I remember. I think Reba McIntyre sang the... Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah, all right. That was going down, because by WrestleMania 11, all they could get was a very special Olympian to sing that. <laughs> oh, no, but they loaded up. They must have blown their budget on, like, JTT and such. Hmm. They're like, we can't afford to pay an anthem singer. Um, whoops. How about um, a local Hartford uh, retarded person? Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Here's a, a quote from the Observer. For those of you wondering about the whereabouts of the warlord, apparently he had all his gear stolen in Winnipeg a few weeks back. Think about that. Can you imagine a burglar breaking into his hotel room? I mean, what if the guy was in there? And if you got any clothes, like, who would they fit? I'm sure there's a <laughs> Black market demand for pitchforks anyway. Well, maybe they were looking for what Dr. Harvey really had in that medical bag. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Why was Whippleman... He had uh, he had Sid. Why would he need the Warlord, too? That seems redundant to me. I don't know. There was a... Oh, um, do you think they were stolen? Or do you think those possessions were repoed? <laughs> had not occurred to me. I choose to believe that they were repoed. Because that mm. man repoed so many things. Uh, to repo stuff. Um, someone uh, in feedback to our show mentioned uh, an Undertaker Berserker feud that began when Berserker tried to stab him with the sword, and I'm like, what? I don't, I don't believe this at all. But um, Undertaker sat up just in time, I think. He yes, he did because he uh, Berserker he hit him with his sword, the flat end, which is not the best to use a sword. And uh, tried to stab him, but uh, drew the canvas and uh, but gave him a pile driver on the concrete to set up a brief feud. And um, I have to mention, there's a YouTube user. I believe it's WWF Classics Rewind. He has all these, a lot of the angles from 1992 all lumped together, which is very helpful in the um, in uh, preparing for the show. But uh, he also like gave everything titles, <laughs> like the uh, like the Flair and uh, Savage WrestleMania. Uh, review was called, uh, I think, uh, Sex Lies and Photographs. It's like part one negative influence or something like that. It was really goofy. But hey, thanks anyway. So, uh, yeah, Berserker. There's there's an idiom um, 
caught a zero-edged sword, and that's what Berserker actually <laughs> Sometimes when there's a thing that, like, doesn't hurt anybody, um, it's just a mutually beneficial thing. You say, oh, this is a, this is a real zero-edged sword, and uh, that's what Berserker had. I think Berserker had a vision, or like Fuji maybe did, and he saw, like, what would come of Undertaker as a baby face, just, like, killing off all these other creature heels, monster tall guys. And Berserker was just like, I can't let this happen. <laughs> I must kill the Undertaker <laughs> again. No, Mr. Fuji. And he did it. Who is it? Onita? Doesn't he, like, stab people with swords? I, uh, I... I don't know if he stabs them, but, um... He probably just holds it over their forehead and is like, I'm raking your forehead with this sword. And the guy's like, oh no, what do I start bleeding now because of you cutting me with this sword? What a We need to get uh, Alan back on to uh, confirm this. It's his area of expertise. Uh, Let's just go with yes. Um, Yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I think slip pickings were getting slim when Berserker and Papa Shanka were who they were going to put up against like two of the ten biggest uh, baby faces in WWE history. Yes, uh, as you alluded to previously, Sid was gone. He stormed out after a Boston Garden match with the Ultimate Warrior. They suspended him for six weeks, but he never came back. So, with Hogan gone. Uh, Piper also stopped. Sid was gone. The main event roster was basically Flair, Savage, Undertaker, and Warrior. Like, as far as, like, proven guys who could main event. And God knows they tried, uh, there was, they tried um, elevating some people, so. I guess the controversial thing is, um, like, Sid, uh, was drug tested before WrestleMania, and it somehow came out that it was Whippleman's urine, right? But uh, they didn't suspend him before WrestleMania because probably just an oversight or something. <laughs> yeah. After the show, they're like, "Oh man, what? Oh, this is ah, oh, whoops. You hate to see. Well, okay. And, yeah, do you remember? Um, like right after WrestleMania, perhaps even the day after WrestleMania, uh, the Sid Justice versus a babyface Hercules on primetime. I believe that did not last long. Hercules was... Didn't Sid... Yeah. Go ahead. I believe, uh... I think you once said, uh... Sid powerbombed the shit out of Hercules. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had done so many of these shows for so long, I forget the things that come up. But, yeah. He was like, hey, Hercules, who's inexplicably good now. Um, <laughs> been talking with Jim Powers too long. Uh... You can go. You can just walk away and avoid being killed by me, Sid Justice. And Hercules is like, no way. I'll fight you fair. And it didn't <laughs> Fool, no, no, it did not. <laughs> anyway, with uh, Sid gone, Harvey Whippleman had a uh, an opening in his stable, so he brought back Kamala, who was quickly programmed with The Undertaker, which was unfortunate because he was deathly afraid of caskets. <laughs> They had both SummerSlam and Survivor Series, which saw uh, Taker win the first casket match, and um, that wasn't bad enough. Kim Chi and Harvey Whippleman were, were bossing him around until the Reverend Slick came back, told him to stand up for himself, so we got face Kamala for a bit, as uh, Slick set out to humanize him, which involved taking him bowling. Face Slick. Hmm, yeah, that was also... Uh, Slick as a preacher was... Um, Slick and Hercules came to that mutual decision. They're like... 
it's not working. Out things the wrong way. You heard what happened to Warlord's clothes. <laughs> There's no way to go through life. Nope. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, they, and the Kamala thing was like, you know, the thing about Kamala is he eats people. He's probably going to eat the Undertaker. <laughs> Yeah, like Bobby Heaton would say stuff like, oh, you have to get an extra big pot to prepare the Undertaker for mm-hmm. a feast. Yeah. Ugh. Curious times. Kamala did you not know. require a double wide, double deep. It wasn't even a casket then. It was like a wooden coffin with nails, right? Pretty much, yeah. So maybe just a single wide, single deep. <laughs> Anywho, uh, also with Sid uh, gone, they needed someone <laughs> when, uh, new. <laughs> There's a good joke made when uh, Yokozuna died 11 years ago. Someone yes. Said that at his funeral, his uh, his casket was carried by 10 WWF heels. That's Paul Barron. That and other tasteless dead wrestler jokes. I remember when JYD I passed. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, someone asked if his head went thump when it hit the dashboard. <laughs> I think just cruel. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, let's move on to um, happier things. Uh, also, with Sid gone, uh, the warrior needed an opponent, so Papa Shango was called up. Yeah. Well, I don't know because I mean he was involved in Mania, so I guess there were like big things for Papa Shango. <laughs> the next great man. I, I apparently so, and uh, so he placed a curse on the Ultimate Warrior. And the next week, the warrior was fighting Brian Nobbs, and uh, everything was fine. Shango showed up, took a piece, I think uh, an elbow pad or something, and uh, I believe that completed the curse, because afterwards, the warrior started having stomach pains, and he vomited pea soup all over the doctors in the back. And you know those would be writers if that skit took place today. <laughs> Who would later tweet angrily about it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, let's talk what you... Well, how did you feel when Warrior came back at WrestleMania? Because I really couldn't sleep that night. The ultimate Too excited. came back during a dramatic moment of all time. Yeah, that was... It was a good surprise. And mm-hmm. uh, I was happy to have him back. I'm like, oh, cool. Great. That's great. Look at all the... We have we have, uh, we have Sid and Luger and Flair and Hogan. This is great. Uh-huh. It's a new golden era. But, um... <laughs> Things are looking up. Will be great. Yes, they are. It was, I, uh. Houses will never fall to 4,000 by the end of Oh. Uh, yeah. And, um. The next week, the Warrior did an interview segment with Mean Gene wearing a white jacket, which was a little odd. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we found out why. Because Black Goo started pouring out of the Warrior's scalp and, uh, all over his white jacket. Hate it when and, that uh, happens. Yeah. Later, Gene did an interview with Papa Shango, and when it was done, Gene said, thank God that's over, into the microphone. Well, Shango was like a foot away, which was um, a bad idea, as goo started to come out of Gene's hand. And um, Papa Shango had interesting squash matches. Like, <laughs> one guy got the black goo and he ran away. One guy was knocked out and his feet were on fire. And uh, one guy's arm caught on fire, and no one told him to stop, drop, and roll, because he just ran to the back mm-hmm. and... Uh, this was a this was a house show feud and was never blown off in any capacity on pay per view and uh, he moved to a somewhat aborted Bret Hart Papa Shango feud but um yeah this is uh it was it was memorable stuff I'll say that yeah the, like the houses after WrestleMania through the SummerSlam you thought you'd never see were um, 
it was uh, Savage Flair, but Flair was chasing Savage, so it kind of killed the drama of that feud. Plus, Liz peaced out. <laughs> That's right. It's like actually, this is mostly just about the belt. Um, <laughs> was there even, I don't even know if I like Elizabeth. So. Oh. And um, maybe Flair was right. We're not sure, but don't, yeah. don't think. Of- he was though, right? The WCW angle. Oh, that's true. So, wow. Uh, was he right all along, or did she just have a... She Stephanie McMahon Triple H'd him because of mm. his treatment? Huh. I mean, to Vince McMahon at the end of 1999, to be more yes. specific, for just throwing <laughs> out like, two of the most important people in wrestling. Um, <laughs> right, so, th- I mean, with no Hogan, and then no Sid for whatever that is worth, Warrior Shango... Flair chasing Savage, uh, things were took a precipitous fall. Yes, they were poor and lots of scandal. And uh, gay. There was uh, <laughs> there was there was a bright spot around the corner. For a few weeks, we had vignettes where there was a voice in a prison yard saying he was coming for the big boss man, and then a, a voice over the PA system when the boss man would wrestle squashes. And then on the May 30th edition of Challenge, after winning a squash, a man in a prisoner jumpsuit came to the crowd and attacked the boss man. That must be the guy, said Vince. Thanks. <laughs> Couldn't have figured that out. Anyway, that the mystery... must be the guy. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, mystery man was... Uh, he handcuffed and assaulted the boss man and sent him out on a stretcher. We found out this man went by nails. He was uh, convicted of a crime he did not commit, and nope. the boss man treated him in jail. So, uh. That might be. Okay. High, though. <laughs> I, I have questions here. Was he in a work release program to the WWF? Was that how they. Did he. I, I don't think he, he would get paroled because no. when you pretty much say you're going to straight up murder prison guards <laughs> when you get out and you still wear your prison jumpsuit, like outside of jail, you may not be ready for the outside world. But, um. It, uh... And, uh. Like why did why did he hang, why did he hang around after that? It's pretty much mission accomplished after that, right? Yeah. Why are you fighting Virgil? Uh, <laughs> you mean rather yeah, wait rather than waiting for Bossman to come back for revenge? It's like there, I did it. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. Big Bossman, <laughs> we are even. Again, I'll tell you why, Joe. Because he was lying. Because he was a criminal. And because the big boss man did nothing but obey the law and order. <laughs> well, he's a well the, the interesting thing was uh, the boss man may have done those terrible things mm-hmm. because he was a heel when he entered the Federation. Exactly. He used to handcuff and beat his opponents. What uh, Nails failed to realize is that the big boss man had turned face and all his prior sins must be forgiven. <laughs> yeah, that's the error of it. Um, yeah. I don't know. If he really wanted revenge, instead of like making him all bruised up in like traumatic pictures that they put in WWF magazine, which again, mm. I, you can't fake that. It's a picture. <laughs> it's a visual representation. Okay, what's the word representation? Presentation. What's a presentation? It's what is happening that is true. Um, so he he bruised them all up, and they're like, "This is the big boss man. He'll probably never do anything again." <laughs> but he should have just made derogatory remarks about the big boss man's mother, because that's the, oh no, that's a deal breaker. You can't that'll get you suspended. You can't do that. Oh, um, <clears throat> nails. Nails was fascinating because it was such a limited character. Like after the boss man came back, he beat him in the nightstick match. The character largely disappeared, and I thought, well, that's that. Like they're going to move him into a feud with the Undertaker, and they had a confrontation when the boss man was out. 
and they were in fact on the cover of the January '93 WF magazine, and those would have been some choketastic matches. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I just figured, okay, they brought this guy in. Uh, you know, he feuded with. He was so linked to this character. They feuded. It's over. That's that. Like I didn't know he beat up Vince McMahon over his SummerSlam payoff, and then said Vince tried to sexually assault him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did not that know that. Seduction. <laughs> It's completely plausible. Oh, uh, that was um, yeah. Nails, Nails did not have good squash matches. That's actually the story of why he invited Billy Jack Haynes to those tapings. He's like, oh, show's all booked up. Well, what are you doing after the show, <laughs> Billy Jack Haynes? <laughs> Bring your uh, hat. Should we the full Nelson? <laughs> Definitely the best full Nelson. <laughs> Oh no, that was um. This is weird. Uh, I'm just making weird jokes now about um Billy Jack Haynes and Vince doing it in a. <laughs> yes, you are. So, but I mean, you know, that's tit for tat though, because Billy Jack Haynes has made some allegations himself. Yes, he did. He has made some strange allegations about. Um. So that... what were we talking about? Nails. Nails was a nails. This is basically uh, the, like the last program Big Boss Man did in the WWF. Yeah, he was on his way out in 93. Then so, Doink uh, blinded him forever, right? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. We'll get into that. He shot, anyhow. like, ink from a flower. Maybe Sean Goku. And uh, Bossman's like, I'll never wrestle again. I'll never do <laughs> an Angels program. <laughs> that is how uh, I believe that worked. That was just amazing. But um, anyway... uh. Crush came back and he was a brightly clad baby face. Now, um, Rob Naylor has confessed to not realizing this was Demolition Crush, even though he had the same name <laughs> and just no face paint. I was skeptical. <laughs> I was asking you to break the tie because I'm like, hey, it's Crush, but, um. Actually, I think it was the uh, Smash was not the Repo Man. I didn't believe it all. I thought. Yeah, no, I, I still, I still don't believe that. I have to say, something's just not right there. He really, he must. Would he shrink? <laughs> it's like, he really did. It's, it can't be him. But um, yeah, Crush. Uh, Crush was a uh, good guy who liked to crush things. Yeah, and he was way better at wrestling than he had been when he was in Demolition. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> what do you think of? Uh, do you think they ultimately mishandled Crush? Could he have been? He just seemed to lose a lot when 93 came around. If it's not uh, kind to... I don't know. There's kind of like a many more years of Crush failing in semi-prominent positions. <laughs> something yes. like, uh, I think there's a tendency to be like, you know who would have been huge? Just fucking mm-hmm. huge. Salvatore <laughs> Sincere. With the Sopranos and all that. And they just... Oh. Oh. I thought he was Tom Zink for the longest time. <laughs> um, well, yeah, weren't... He, wait. Now, Salvatore Sincere was Johnny Gunn in WCW, right? Yes. So they were attacking yes. him. So. Yeah. So. Good in- mm-hmm. you, you, it's like your instincts felt a connection there. You know who they really fucking screwed <laughs> push-wise? The, the brass did? Duke the Dumpster Grossi. <laughs> Think of how huge, like, garbage cans... In the ECW mentality, he would have been basically a superstar. But Everyone. No. Politics. It's universal. It's like Stone Cold, like, wanting to beat up his boss. Everyone can relate. Yeah. 
We all take out the trash, okay? <laughs> uh, it um, is time to take out the trash. Anyway, uh, Tatanka had defeated Rick Martell at WrestleMania. This yeah, is not got, impressed. Did he get Martell. the feathers back? Um, this was uh, that came later. Okay. Because uh, oh, Rick yeah. Martell said uh, those Indians they smell so bad and. Uh, <laughs> After a Tatanka squash, uh, Martel came out. He ended up spraying Tatanka in the eyes with arrogance and stole his feathers. Yeah, deluded. I guess, uh, I guess, yeah, or he had stronger eyes than Jake Roberts because he was totally fine in like a week. And, and then they dropped the whole thing for a while, so Martel could feud with Shawn Michaels, yeah. which was real. They're like, oh, we'll get back to this. I think it was because um, Bulldog and Mount, or wait, Brett? And Sean were married that summer. Gay, haha, isn't that weird? And, and um, what, Bulldog, I think, and Mountie just had the the other one. Or no, Bulldog was, like, gone until SummerSlam. So, but they weren't doing Brett and Sean. So, um, I guess Martell was the only other guy. I, apparently so. But they were like, this will be weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and really the whole thing of having a match and then feuding after that and then dropping it and then ending it, it was um I guess it was curious. just to make it more of the SummerSlam you thought you'd never see, because I never thought I would see a heel against a heel. No, that's that's very true. Here's the thing and, about that, though. They weren't going to hit each other in the face. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> Sherry would have been very upset by that. So. And, but then they it did. Makes sense. Yeah. It didn't go well. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Oh, but, I mean, I thought it was cool. Uh, post, uh, or maybe before that, I remember him being like, I will defend the belt against you, Warlord. Was Brett as the fighting champion? And he like, mm-hmm. wrestled Virgil on TV, another mind bender. Yep. And so that, I think Brett was picking up uh, legitimate steam. <laughs> you know what? If everything completely gets fucked, maybe we would... It wouldn't be the worst thing if we just put the belt on Brett. But a lot of things would have to go wrong. <laughs> That's uh, highly unlikely, yeah. I'm sure Gorilla Monster said. Uh, we started getting vignettes for Scott Hall and his new persona, Razor Ramon. The last time I had saw, uh, seen Scott Hall, he was in WCW as the Diamond Stud. And Ramon was basically the same wrestler with a Cuban accent <laughs> and some gold. I mean, like, same moves and everything. Like, you can, you can like, you know... Everyone kind of chuckles at it. Oh, Scott Hall is from Cuba. But um, the, vignette, the vignettes are really good. And there were seriously like 200 of them. Like he was in a car. He went to a restaurant. He was on the beach. He pushed a guy in a fountain. He spat an apple at a guy who I guess wasn't cool. He was like a, <laughs> he was like a completely awesome heel. And it's, it's weird that someone who was so good at that role and who was actually nicknamed the bad guy, he was a baby face for three out of the four years he was in the company. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was some... Rumor in '95 of like him turning on Diesel in that lumberjack match with um, mm-hmm. Sid to do SummerSlam, but then they just didn't. Um, <laughs> they had a better plan. <laughs> Tough. What if Mabel just fats on him? <laughs> Matt. Um, yeah, DDP and his torch talk actually, which I think is really legitimately quite good. Um, tells the story of coming up with the what really became like the Scott Hall thing that he ran for the rest of uh, his sober career. Yeah, and um, he, Scott Hall got a big push or, uh, out of the gate because he had altercations with Savage and 
was programmed with him and is going over him on uh, yeah, house shows. Yeah, he costumed so. the title in like his first thing, right? Yeah, that was that was pretty much his first angle. Like, like they actually, they're like we need to push new stars, and they meant it. But um, he's, anyway, he's a much better choice than Kamala, Papa Shango, etc. He's stuck. Yes. Yeah. He, uh, he stuck around. Anyway, the uh, the Legion of Doom were back, as we mentioned. Uh, went back to their roots in Chicago, discovered <laughs> Rock Ventriloquist Dummy, who they cleaned up and brought with them to the ring. And uh, Rocco was apparently going to be called Freckles, which is somehow even worse. Uh, Vince Punishment or legit idea he thought was good? <laughs> I don't know. Is there a difference? <laughs> yeah. He thought, like, this is gangbusters. This will work great. And um, then didn't. It was. Well, I mean, it's subjective, so. I suppose. The um, was the Animal Crush LOD. Did they work WWF house show? They don't think they were ever on TV, or did they? Just they were never on TV. Japan? I believe they worked uh, house shows. I want to say in, after in the European tour, but that might be wrong. But it worked pretty well for a while. But then uh, Animal took off. Yeah. After. Uh, I like it when super teams split up and then become a new genesis of like half their old teams. Hmm. Give me another example. Um. Surely it's happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a real thing. You know, gun money, <laughs> Motor City beer, or <laughs> whatever, beer machine. That's that's not three examples. It's only one. Beer machine. Um, Sting and Booker T when they teamed up for some reason is like black dudes with attitudes. Is what? <laughs> it's like that uncensored, right? Yes, because uh, Lex Luger was in the um, the uh, Observer Worst Match of the yeah, Year when Triple yep. Cage of Doom. So they were, I think, Venice Beach Heat, if I remember the name. Uh-huh. I just lied about them having right now. And who'd they fight? The Legion of Doom. Hmm. Oh, crazy. And um, there was another one. Maybe like... No, because both Steiners are in the Magnificent Seven. I can see this point, but I think... I think... Oh, oh, um... Uh, uh, New Age Outlaws had one, right? It was like the Old Age In-Laws or some such shit. <laughs> I don't remember this. Or oh, I blocked it out. Oh, well, I give up. Yeah. Um, Bob Backlund came back. He did uh, vignettes explaining who he was. He had all the charisma of a block of wood. I knew about his credentials from uh, retro stories in the aftermags, but what did this mean to you, Justin? I was like, he ain't strong. <laughs> <laughs> I just apparently they brought him back because they needed like decent people on the roster, right. and I mean like like moral people, <laughs> and uh, he's the best they could find. But like, um, the world title. <laughs> this can't be. No. It was that was very strange. Like uh, things I I guess worked out for him in a way I don't sure. think any of us imagined. Eventually, but uh, I mean he didn't eventually do another anything two years. except lose to Razor Ramon for those two years. <laughs> it was and he used the no Connor role for like when you guys came in I was like, What's their finisher gonna be? Um you know, like actually we would let the we were let down because Nails just choked a dude, yeah. and Bob Backlund used an Oklahoma roll or uh, whatever you call it. <laughs> That's not acceptable. It's like what you? I mean, you know the video games. Like, how are you going to do this in WrestleFest Two? 
You wait till I do the video on WrestleFest. That might be a five-parter. But um, I spent so much time figuring out how Savage could do his like jump over the top rope neck snap in a video game. I'm just like ah, it's impossible. Yeah. Such is the limitations of the form. But Berserker's finisher was like the go-to way to eliminate people from that Royal Rumble SNES game, right? You just like yes. You went for a regular atomic drop by the ropes. You just chucked them into a blip. <laughs> Like, I will, of course, get get go, Yokozuna. <laughs> that was the game where everyone had uh, the Super WrestleMania for the SNES. Was the game where everyone had the same moves, which infuriated <laughs> me when I read about that. Like, how do you how do you make that mistake? Every video game knows you have different moves. Yeah, and the magazines were like, you know, Jake Roberts' body slam can kind of look like a DDT if you squint your eyes, and it's like, no. Made me glad I had the Genesis. Uh, you know what else uses that engine? What's that? FCW. The de- What's FCW? The WWF developmental place. Which oh, out, so satire. I get it. All so, right. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, the uh, the natural disasters won the tag titles at a TV taping in my hometown. Whoa. And uh. It was it was weird they didn't just wait for the pay per view. They wanted to do a title change. Like yeah. what's the top? I didn't get it, but hey, great. This really Chance. broke the chain of uh being able to follow the belts on the uh, home video. You couldn't do mm. it. You just lost them for a while and was like <laughs> Confusing. It kept and it wasn't there like people just kept turning face to work with Money Inc. too. When did the nasties turn? That was uh, right before Survivor Series. Yeah, yeah. Was, the Beverly um, Brothers were always with them, though, right? They're never- yes, they were. You know what? Money, Inc. Money isn't everything. Brotherhood. <laughs> but they probably they were rich, though, right? So they would um, find right. common ground. Shaker Heights, etc. Shaker Heights. Let us uh, speak of SummerSlam. Okay. It was strange because all the house show programs were scrapped in favor of different things. Mm-hmm. Since it was going to be in England, they had the British Bulldog challenging Bret Hart for the IC title. The story being, they revealed they were brother-in-laws, and it was tearing the Hart family apart, which gave them great practice for uh, <laughs> a few years down the road and introduced us to world-famous author Diana Smith. She's going to be played by Pamela Anderson in the TV movie, from what I hear from Did, her lying. Yeah, from her. <laughs> and, um, she's like, yeah, that- who's the world's most beautiful woman and best actress? Oh, right, Pamela Anderson. Yep. Uh, she was like, she oh, who, who was that chick who was around uh, in 95? Oh, right, Pamela Anderson. The uh, other big story was the title match being Warrior and Savage with uh, Ric Flair left out. That is until he appeared during a Warrior interview and said Savage was negotiating with Mr. Perfect to be in his corner. The announcers were like, could this be true? And I'm thinking, Flair has kind of a credibility gap at this point. <laughs> Like, we're even giving him the time of day, and, uh, but, uh, the next week, Perfect said that Warrior entered negotiations, and, uh, when asked, Savage said he wasn't gonna say since the, uh, Warrior was pretty rattled, so the big story was whose corner will Mr. Perfect be in? And the rest of the card, uh, got shuffled because the Beverly Brothers had been feuding with the LOD and losing, so they naturally got a title shot <laughs> with the Nat Disasters. And uh, as mentioned, Rick Martel dropped his feud with Tatanka to have a match with fellow heel Shawn Michaels where they couldn't punch each other. Who had been so, working um, with Bret Hart. Yeah. And, Wasn't uh, there... Uh, this was a... They, 
were deciding between some American city in London or you know. Wembley. I think it was in Maryland. Yeah, uh, and they had a completely non-British centric card for the opposite with Michael vs. Brit. Yes. Yeah. And uh, for the show itself, is this still the biggest attendance for a WWF show ever? Like legit attendance, not, uh, not if we if we are assuming WrestleMania three is is faked. Yes. Wow. Like the Breslov history of attendance. Yes. <laughs> yes. By going by that, yes. It's also uh, the first Hoganless pay per view ever. Crazy. Which is, uh, and they taped it two days before it aired in the U.S., which <laughs> is uh, would likely not happen today. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is greatly carried by the. Uh, Top two matches. Everyone knows about Bulldog Brad. It's on Brett's DVD. It's like, it's really good. You should make a point to see it at some point. But, um, Savage and Warrior was also, like, pretty damn great. Especially considering it went, like, 28 minutes. And, like, no one got more out of Warrior than the Macho Man. And, uh, hey, it turns out, uh, Ric Flair was lying. And, uh, <laughs> he was in neither man's corner. And what? Savage tried to attack, but Flair sort of whacked him with the chair for the count out, which was pretty lame. But, um, rest of the show is, uh, Ranges from okay to uh, not so great, but everything serves its purpose, and uh, the crowd's huge, and the spectacle is uh, pretty damn awesome, being an outdoor show. The Warrior Savage is a cool thing, because they had a match uh, many months before that played into that, and like they were different people back then, but announcers still acknowledge something that happened from before. It mm. makes me wish there was like a would have been second round Randy Savage steamboat match at WrestleMania 4. Hmm. Alas. So, uh. But yeah, w- yeah, they had. Did you, oh, go ahead. Did you ever think you'd see this SummerSlam? Because it was. I did not. The SummerSlam I thought I'd never see. I never thought I would see it being outdoors and stuff, but, uh. No, the WF had a really good pay per view year. It was maybe their best yes. at when they just had four. Accidentally. Yeah, <laughs> not on purpose, but hey. It worked. T- uh, 94, I guess, was pretty good. It had. Um. Yeah, because that had the uh, Brett and Owen. Yeah, it would need like the Sean Diesel Action Zone tag match to be at SummerSlam, though, to fulfill True. that. Yeah, that would have helped. On to uh, September, where Ric Flair won the title back at a TV taping. Uh, again, here's a quote. Apparently the match was where the title was supposed to change hands turned into a an, <laughs> this is an abortive contest as 12 minutes in, because Vince McMahon was unhappy with what was going on, he sent Bobby Heenan out, who signaled to ref Earl Hebner, and everyone went back to the dressing room. And ring announcer Howard Finkel announced, the match will resume as soon as the referee regains control. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, huh? Uh, that goes against everything we've ever seen. Yeah. For, uh, um, but Razor interfered, and Flair got his second world title. Woo. They didn't really have a choice, because... Um, I guess at that point the only idea that could pop business was the warrior chasing the title, probably. But mm-hmm. they were mistaken there. <laughs> yes, they were. There was a flaw in that plan. And um, but yeah, Razor Ramon kicked uh, his leg real hard, and he Savage yep. sold his leg really well all year. <laughs> he really did. He did it even <laughs> in the SummerSlam match too, right? Didn't he like yes, jump he off the top and get hit with the chair? Mm-hmm. And that's what made him get counted out. And uh, this was first t- this title change on TV. I'm trying to think back. I think it was the first one in a while. I can't remember. I don't know if you go back to the that main event where Andre won it, but I think that's it. 
Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, let's see. The WWF made a deal with the, the USWA to work together, basically as the first developmental league, and led to uh, some proto-heel Vince stuff in uh, 1993, which we'll hopefully get into later. But I thought it was interesting. They had a somewhat developmental league uh, all the way back then. And it didn't suck like today, you know. <laughs> See, they all use the same moves because they're just, uh... anyway. Anyway. <laughs> uh, let's... What else you got for me, JG? Uh, how about Lance Cassidy? This was uh, Steve Armstrong as... Uh... No. <laughs> I had zero recollection of this until I looked it up, and I guess it happened. I, I, I imagine so. He was part of that those newcomers uh, for the next rumble I guess we'll get into him and Max Moon and somebody oh terrific Terry Taylor who all or was he the tailor made man or was he terrific I think he was tailor made man after the York Foundation okay and then he was TTT triple T the game in uh, WWF briefly Briefly, yeah, quite briefly. Uh, speaking of um, Max Moon, this was supposed to be Conan's gimmick, but he ended up not coming in, and it went to Paul Diamond. And the outfit was, um, I don't know, maybe like if Tron came out in the early 90s. It was very early 90s. He had wrist things that shot fireworks, and he had a jetpack, which let him climb up the stairs to the ring, and uh, he rolled a lot. And his mask didn't cover his face, which was kind of defeats the purpose, though. He didn't roll a lot. He did, and um, I didn't realize this was Cato from... Uh, I, th- I think I realized it was Paul Diamond, because I remembered him just as a job guy before he became Cato. But um, <laughs> no, he was he was Cato. But uh, again, the Orient Express also went by the wayside, so uh, mm-hmm. bad times in the tag division. Wasn't there so I don't want to just spew, like, sleazy gossip like I was just one of those creeps, but wasn't there something with Tatanka and Paul Diamond and one of their wives that led to the... I don't know about that. Yeah, let's redact that. We're not that kind yes. of show. Remind me to edit that out. The uh, the head shrinkers showed up, and uh, I don't have a lot to add other than this began a 12 year odyssey of Rikishi <laughs> in the W. I refer to him as his real name, uh, Junior Fatu, or something. <laughs> or something. So we'll off of Fatu. <laughs> And then who's Uli Uli, the barbarian? Oh, I I don't know. We'll find out. Uli Uli. They're cool. Can't wait till we get to uh, Head Shrinker Barbarian. That's oh, fucked boy. up. Sioni. Yep. That oh, that's not... his name, right. Maybe Meng is... <laughs> Did you say Uli Uli? Uli Uli. <laughs> that's not correct. Come on. Yeah, Meng's real name is Uli Ulu Fifita. So. Oh. Shoot names. We're, we're insiders. Yep. Yeah. Doofus. Law. So, what did you think of the Richard Flyer, uh, um, Scott Hall union with Robert Heenan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, on to October. Hey, Bret Hart won the title what? in uh, Saskatchewan. No builder or anything. Just one week I turned on the tube, and uh, Bret Hart's the new champion. And they didn't even show the match. And I don't I don't know why. Like, the rumor was uh, Bret hated Ric Flair and hated the match and refused to have it shown. 
But in the book, he just said, they didn't air it, and I don't know why. It showed up on the Smack'em Whack'em VHS tape, which also included the first ladder match he had with uh, Shawn Michaels. But this is the grisly one where like his finger <clears throat> got dislocated, and he just popped yes. back in. Correct. So we, Which, oh yeah, Brett also ran him down for that uh, Savage match that got restarted. He was like, "See why Ric Flair sucks so bad at working? <laughs> He's just not good." <laughs> why can't you see that? <laughs> it was um, and they had marathon matches too, right? Which were yes, did. either just presumed to be good by people who were like, "Oh, sixty minutes and them good," or weren't good at all. If you ask Bret Hart. Mm. When he dressed him down and was like, I'm calling this match Rick, so shut up. <laughs> Did you know he was the hardest working champion in WWF history? And his schedule was insane and he couldn't keep up that pace? <laughs> that was the talking point about uh, Brett, even though, you know, I looked in PWI and <laughs> be doing anything more than like Hogan would do, but hey, you know. Oh yeah, that was his out for Yokozuna and also Luger bonked him with his arm. Mm. It was, uh, because he fought uh, he fought the Berserker on TV, mm-hmm. Papa Shango on Saturday Night's main event, yep. and uh, Virgil, as mentioned, was described by Al Hayes as adventurous but persistent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but you know we'll go with it. And uh, it's like they were saying, you know, okay, this guy's not a superhero, but he works hard, so you know, let's just go with it. That should be they should change. He's come to shows. That uh, meme, meme, internet meme picture should now say. Uh, Persistence. <laughs> adventurous but persistent. Yeah, adventurous but persistent. Which is much more applicable to that picture, right? I would think so. Yeah. He's just sitting there. So we need that and the um, MSN paint of uh, the Bulldog and Berserker. Yep. These are your homework assignments, listeners. Do it. Do it. Yeah, so Bret Hart, first Triple Crown champion since Pedro Morales. What an achievement held by people. <laughs> Dolph Ziggler. A fair feedback. <laughs> I will look this up right now. Dolph Ziggler is a 10-time, 20, 50-time ICUS champion. He beat Kofi every time. Um, he won the tag titles when two other guys in his cheerleading group won them. And oh, yeah. he won the world title for, like, minutes when Vicky Guerrero was just like, Dolph is the champion now. So, triple crown. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. 23 men have joined Who's it. the last one? Dolph? Um, Christian. Christian. Wow. Great and, uh, achievement. Yeah, and I didn't know Ric Flair was on that list too, but I guess so. What? Oh, Because he yeah. had the world title, tag titles with Batista, and um, he had an inter- yeah, intercontinental title. This Wikipedia page uh, kind of loops it all. Oh, no, I guess it includes world heavyweight and the... Hmm. Well, you, they, you shouldn't have to like distinction, but I mean, but they've switched so many times. It's tough. Yeah. So that, the only nice. other two I remember, um, then Brett like two-time triple crowned. Yes. And then when he, uh, yeah. And then when Diesel, he won the world title back. Diesel did it all in like a year, and they're like, "That's even better." <laughs> Pay money to see him. Uh. <laughs> oh, oh, and um. And then Punk did it within like four months at the end of 2008. Yeah, he is. There you go. June, October, <laughs> June 30th won his uh, world title. October, the tag titles, and January 19th of 2009, he won the 
intercontinental title. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah, at the time it was cool. Cause just, it, it was, yeah. Because wrestlers didn't stay in the same place to work all three levels. You're yeah. either like a world champion guy, which was three people for ten yep. years, or <laughs> something else. And, uh, yep. Anyway, moving along, uh, a man named Yokozuna debuted. I remember an article in PWI in 1990 that said, uh, Coquina Maximus, who was in the AWA, will rule wrestling. And, uh, PWI struck out with a lot of articles like that, but they're pretty right on here. And, uh, this man had some, uh, he had good squashes as opposed to, uh, nails. He was almost like svelte when he appeared, uh, compared to his later physique. Right, and, I mean, um, all things considered, he was good. <laughs> At yeah. First, he, was. he could run around into the corner. Mm-hmm. He had, uh, I always liked, um, like his finisher. It was always, I don't know, funny is the right word, but when he did the bonsai drop and like, you know, normally he would land kind of feet first and then sit down, but when he, his feet like slipped and he just fell like straight on the guy. <laughs> like this one guy, I'm pretty sure he legit murdered in the ring. And, um, Undertaker did that all the time. Yeah. It's weird that, uh, like we're talking about Tatanka and, Yoko and Razor, who are all in the WWF for four years. <clears throat> but then you have guys like CM Punk and Miz, who have been around for five, and it's like, like they do so much now. Mm-hmm. Like, everything kind of gets lost, but I can pretty much pinpoint every feud and big match like Razor and Yokozuna had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, well, Tatanka had, um, do you think more credibility than Ric Flair when he accused Luger, or were you just like, what are you talking about, Tatanka? <laughs> <laughs> I was um like what reason did you have not to believe him right yeah I mean I knew Luger had done some bad things and uh you know he bonked people with his middle plate and he was uh, in love with himself so um seemed, seemed logical I guess the other prominent time when that happened was when um NWO was like guess who joined the NWO idiots you're gonna hate this one <laughs> Sting <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh my god, Sting, how could you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kind of... We should do that with our show. Just guess who's going to be on the show um, for 93, John Cena. <laughs> for reals. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. There was, a, there was a really weird situation with the tag titles, because... Uh, they announced the disasters would face either Money, Inc. or the Nasty Boys, who were both managed by Jimmy Hart. And at first it was the Nasty Boys, but Jimmy Hart changed his mind at the last second, and it was Money, Inc. So when Money, Inc. came down to face the uh, Disasters, the Nasty Boys got pissed and went down and beat them up mm-hmm. and turned face. So the Disasters started the match with a, a pummeled Money, Incorporated, which is kind of screwy. And then Money, Inc. made a comeback, which is even weirder. And uh, Earthquake got the hot tag, and the Head Shrinkers distracted him, allowing Money, Inc. to get the advantage back. And they just beat on him for five minutes and won the belts, and there wasn't a comeback or anything. And... um it was it was another TV title change that was so odd. weird. It was Brett Mountie who started this crazy thing. It is. This was yeah, like another team turning face to uh, face Money Incorporated. Right. It, oh, I, it went disasters, and then nasties, and then Jimmy Hart himself. They all couldn't handle. Money That's Inc. true. It's <laughs> like, what you got? This is too much, Money Inc. No way. He was also afraid for a uh, Bruce Beefcake's face, like uh, you were. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Money Inc. was just they rub people the wrong way. They um they choke people with tag ropes and shit. It's not <laughs> It's too much. Uh-huh. Oh, all those count outs they took on purpose. Oh, that's right. So frustrating. It was. Um Damien Demento showed up. Uh speaking of guys who are hyped in PWI uh-huh. I remember articles about Mondo Clean who was uh, Mr. Demento, and he was in the Royal Rumble, and seriously, that's it. Didn't he go nuts a few years ago? Yeah, I think he YouTube shot on, uh, I guess, The Biz. Wow, good to know. Uh, Let's see. Oh, Mario Gennetti came back and uh, tried to attack Shawn Michaels, but ended up breaking the mayor over Sherry's head by mistake. Oops. Which uh, finally set up the long-awaited Marty Shawn feud, which... Yeah, it's ups and downs. Both Marty Jannetty returns this and then the next time after he got fired again in disgrace. Because he's Marty Jannetty. <laughs> I bet that's why he got fired uh, again at the beginning of 94. He's just like, man, I'm losing to uh, um, uh, Ludwig Borga and such. I just need a fresh start. I need to get fired and then come back and jump Sean on TV again. And I'm yeah. back at it. Jannetty! Uh, <laughs> I pumped my fist when I said that. I could sense that. And uh, with imaginary tassels. But were we, oh, yeah, that uh, Janetti coming back was, I guess, probably one of my favorite things that ever happened. I was like, oh, my God, it's Marty Janetti. <laughs> He's back. Mm-hmm. Cool. Also coming back was uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. And uh, I'm guessing uh, an endless feud with a clown and losing to Lawrence <laughs> Taylor weren't part of the plans that enticed him back. Mm. Um, no. But he got to play craps with Kamala. <laughs> there you go. It's like, alright, sorry you missed WrestleMania 9, but you're gonna get a great spot at WrestleMania. Oh wait, that was 11. Never mind. <laughs> WrestleMania 10 kinda sucked too. Yeah, yeah. Wait till 11. They, I mean, it's weird. He, they had Bigelow all the time. I know he wrestled Undertaker because I, I saw a match on one of those smack em whack em type tapes, and he was like, mm-hmm. The Undertaker's gravest matches <laughs> you get the double meaning yeah oh that still upset you I remember um, last time like it's not a pun <laughs> um so he wrestled him but they, I mean they had like Curtis Hughes they were that <laughs> bonking Undertaker and getting chased away later but Bigelow never got a run with Undertaker he's fat though Joe yeah that's what true I'm surprised <laughs> That's true. Could have used that same uh, Kamala casket. Mm-hmm. That, and yeah, then he, when he came back and had jumped Goldberg, he was like, "You know what I do to football players, right, Goldberg?" I was like, what? <laughs> "Lose to them. Lose, lose to untrained uh, <laughs> amateurs. Get jackknifed by them." I have to say, this is a uh, more of a '93 question, but I always thought I didn't know what a jackknife was in terms of um, big rigs. I thought like. You know, truckers carried knives, so that's where that <laughs> reference came from. But I realize it's when a uh, a truck kind of crashes and goes. Yeah, it makes in the position of a actual jackknife. Mm-hmm. Similar to the power bombing effect of a stand. Yes. Standing power bomb. So. Drop bomb. Et- etymologically checks out. There you go. Anyway, a clown started appearing at ringside. He went unnamed for quite a while. That's, just, that's the pre. I'm sorry, the preeminent one of like shit that would have been huge if they just didn't ruin it. Evil don't. Mm, that is, um, yeah, he would just be in the crowd for a few weeks, 
when we they're like, oh, a clown now works hey, here. Unusual, here? but, you know, check that out. <laughs> Don't see why he wouldn't be here. Surprised he hasn't before. And, uh, you know, he was just in the crowd for a bit, then one week, pretended he was going to throw water on Bam Bam, and it just turned out to be confetti. Vince McMahon thought this was hysterical. Then he approached Marty Jannetty with the same bucket, only this time it actually had water in it. He doused Marty, which crossed the line. Both of heels. He began uh, pulling pranks, like uh, he tripped the big boss man after a match, and he gave the Nasty Boys a picture of Money, Inc. as a Christmas present. And no one did anything. They just made sad faces. <laughs> like, You're the Nasty Boys. Why don't you beat this man up? This is not very nasty. Take him to Pity City. <laughs> For real. Like, I I, uh, I hated Doink uh, myself. <laughs> Because I was starting high school, and wrestling was at its nadir as, as acceptable entertainment, and this made it just so much worse. Bad times. I, I appreciate it now. Uh, later on, I don't know if this would have been the... I, I think the face turn was probably a, a mistake, but I don't know if this they ruined some... If they, <laughs> if they ruined this like they ruined Brock threatening to walk out with the title at WrestleMania by wasting it on CM Punk. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, Dink though. Dink. Well, yeah. There's that. But um. It's weird that Doink. We'll get to that next time. Doink had a pay-per-view match with Bret Hart, and it was like long and semi-competitive. <laughs> what uh? What match was that? Uh, before the Lawler thing, when he just like. Oh, that's SummerSlam. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was, um... Curious. What did Doink do before the whoopee cushion? I assume the whoopee cushion was a baby face move. Probably. I want to say the stump puller, yeah. like Big Bully, but I may be... A sadistic clown thing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We had the... We had the very last Saturday Night's main event of its original incarnation. Another hour-long program that's our, uh... Sean beat the British Bulldog for its first IC title. A very good match. And the Ultimate Maniacs beating Money, Inc. by how else? Count out. <laughs> and uh, Brett beating Papa Shango, as previously mentioned. And uh, they had been building to a Ultimate Maniacs uh, Ric Flair Razor Ramon match at Survivor Series. But at the very end of the broadcast, Bobby Heenan revealed the Warrior wouldn't be there. So uh, <laughs> this led to um, how strange. an amazing... Yes, that's uh, that's odd. This led to an amazing primetime wrestling nine days before WrestleMania. Survivor Series. So the, yeah, Survivor Series, that's right. And uh, the panel is Vince Perfect, Bobby Heenan, Hillbilly Jim, and uh, Jim Duggan. And they have Savage on by remote. They say, Warrior's not going to be his partner. Who's it going to be? Savage says he has a crazy plan. He wants Mr. Perfect as his partner because Perfect knows Flair better than anyone. Bobby Heenan and Mr. Perfect blow this off. They say it's rightly a stupid idea. <laughs> no, Vince says there's a big payday which gets perfect attention a little. And then uh, Ric Flair and Razor Ramon join by satellite, and Razor says, uh, hey, perfecto, you work for us, and basically told him to know his role, which Mr. Perfect bristles at. Bobby Heenan says he's just a manager now. He's in Ric Flair's shadow. Perfect asks why. Ask, uh, asks why. Vince keeps egging it on. It, uh, it features a line, um, Ric Flair, he'll build a gym here. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Perfect has enough and says he'll do it. Bobby freaks out and slaps him, and Mr. Perfect dumps a pitcher of water on his head. Now, this is this is an angle. It made no sense. Because, because Mr. Perfect helped uh, assault Randy Savage like a couple days before. He's and, an arrogant um, man. 
Yes, and uh, it's a textbook definition of pulling something out of your ass. But uh, mm-hmm. that said, I hadn't seen this in almost two decades, and I remembered pretty much everything about it. And um, it's on YouTube, and uh, it's it's called like Mr. Perfect's Face Turn, and the quality is terrible, and um, like the audio doesn't sync up. But I recommend, I recommend it highly, and uh, like this isn't the week to complain about mic work and angles in the WWF, <laughs> but uh, had I watched this during uh, like that streak where three men would open a show and argue over who got the next title shot, I would have put my foot through the TV, because um, everyone was so great here. Like At one point, like Mr. Perfect says, when his team wins, he's going to stand over Flair and say, woo, and Rick actually screamed out, no! <laughs> like, the, like This caused him physical pain. And, um, like, Man, this was good. This was really good. It's crazy, kind of ironic that um, Perfect was the one who replaces the Ultimate Warrior. Because if there's a bigger flake through the '90s as far as coming back, it's Mr. Perfect than the Ultimate Warrior. Yes, in fact, Randy Savage had to replace Mr. Perfect on the next year's Survivor Series. <laughs> yep, yep. So wait, so, okay. So Hogan and Savage were the Mega Powers. Hogan and Warrior were the Mega. Wait, the Ultimate Maniacs. Yes. Well, where does the maniac come from? Macho um, madness? It should be like the ultimate mad people. <laughs> the, the ultimate men. Uh, mad men was taken <laughs> future by uh, Matthew Weiner. Macho uh, warriors. Um, that's not bad. Oh, oh, wait, that was Rick Hogan in uh, US. <laughs> so then, then were Perfect and Savage the perfect maniacs? That sounds good. And then Hogan and Beefcake were the Mega Maniacs? I think so. Managed by Jimmy Hart? Yes. Hmm. I don't... I'm going to have to chart all this out and see what... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, this this, uh, brings us to the Survivor Series, which is another quite fine show. If you don't mind, they eliminated Survivor Series matches from it. Well, unacceptable. Yeah, that was... A little bad, but the uh, the show was headlined by Sean and Brett in a great match that's a little bit different from the previous year's Undertaker and Hogan title match. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, these accidentally great shows, they all were. Yep. <laughs> I guess the Royal Rumble happened on purpose, but even the uh, the Piper angle was uh, just something they did to be crazy. Yep. And, uh, let's see, the... Uh, Ultimate Maniacs, or whatever, Perfect Savages, was <laughs> versus Flair and Razor. It was also quite good, and it would have been a stupid swerve if it happened today, but they just played it up straight. Like, okay, this guy's good now. There you go. Run with it. Uh, right, because was Brett versus Sean, was Brett going to challenge Sean for the IC title, and then he won the belt, or had that match not been announced? No, that match had happened, and then Sean won the belt and did the whole, I beat the guy who beat you. Ah, uh, so. yeah. Thereby using math, I will beat you. <laughs> using was it transitive properties, mm-hmm. I will defeat. And then Bulldog and Mountie were the other guys with them, but then they and they were gonna have a match at Survivor Series, but they were both fired before the show. Yeah, we should say why Warrior. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Like I, <laughs> the Observer was uh, someone. They said there were possible licensing issues. That Warrior was just being a pain and. Uh, I don't know, but and then it turned you know, out that he thought like, that Warrior and the British Bulldog were like trying to beat the cheat the steroid test. Yes, and they were just fired. Yep, 
And that was uh, kind of another hit to the uh, to the main event roster. Mm-hmm. But. Right. You lose Hogan, LOD for a time, Sid, Warrior, Bulldog, the Warlord, and the Warlord's clothes. <laughs> that is, Trouble. Uh, I don't know how you come back from that. I don't know. I, like, business was really bad. Yes, indeed. Like, it's um. People think of like the new generation as the lean years, but this was the first lean, lean year. Hmm. Like, I started to notice some shows like, like TV tapings where the, the camera was focused on the ring, but I could still see the back of the building because it was like a high school gym. Like they started running shows where I had my high school graduation, which was um. Yes, I saw a show at my high side. school. Or yeah, my high school gym. It's a bit, uh... And Clang yeah. is not Japanese, but we'll get to that in 95. <laughs> kind of the last note I have is that uh, Jerry Lawler joined as a color commentator and part-time wrestler, which is weird because he had badmouthed the company for <laughs> yeah. years and then and sued them and won. But maybe that's not strange for Vince McMahon. Right. Maybe, that, maybe it just makes perfect sense. That what a strange that. relationship the two of them have had over time. Because, like, mm. I guess Lawler just doesn't give a shit, and Vince is kind of like, it's Jerry Lawler, he's pretty cool. I mean, he quit. No one remembers the time when Lawler quit anymore, but he just quit. Yeah, he was gone. For uh, I used to think, um, in my silliness, that that was what was caused the downturn in business, the end of the boom period, that people were so used to Jerry Lawler as the announcer of Monday Night Raw that uh, his lack of being there uh, caused ratings to plummet <laughs> and uh, was proven wrong when he returned at Survivor Series. But he did not call WrestleMania X7, which was... Like the biggest show ever, which is strange in retrospect. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and now they just willfully won't use Jim Ross because he sucks. Who would want to see that? Who indeed? This was, um, yeah, that's pretty much 1992. I know the Steiner brothers signed on at the end, but we'll get into them for 1993. <laughs> at last. And at last. The reprisal. Um, I think that's all I had. If you have any more angles you want me to facetiously talk literally about, I can do that. I don't. I don't think so. Do you have, Santa uh, Claus came out at the end of Survivor Series. Oh, that's right, and he did not attack Bret Hart. That would have been. Uh, what was that '95? They did that. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Yeah. That was strange. Yep. That's also like nails a very limited character. <laughs> It's the second most famous match Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels had at the Survivor Series. <laughs> I was going to say, Bret, uh, he won the latter match, and he won uh, this match, so why not drop a fall to Shawn? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, it evens out. You're right. So, uh, I don't know, who's the MVP for 1992? Bret, I would guess, yeah. I suppose. You could, I think, make a case for Flair. Oh, or yeah. Sandwich. I forgot about the Rumble. Um, yeah. All of these people. <laughs> and then it, it, that's weird. What, what point did Vince, do you think, tell... Well, Flair had the inner ear thing, so he couldn't work for yeah. a while. And that was before Survivor Series, right? Yes. And then sometime, I think at the end of the year is when WCW started airing old Flair matches. <laughs> and they just, like, destroyed the ratings of their regular programming. <laughs> And uh, must have been Bill Watts for a little bit longer. Was just like, well, we better get Ric Flair. And um, <laughs> at the same time, Vince was just like, well, Rick, as gentlemen, 
<laughs> you are washed up. I will not be. <laughs> and Rick was like, oh no. <laughs> Maybe that was the moment that his self confidence was shattered for the rest of his life. And he, oh. No, I think <laughs> a series of leg drops. Leg drop. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, WCW, in addition to uh, being right about Elizabeth and Flair, they were the ones who did the uh, big Flair Hogan pay per views, so. Quite they strange. Were successful too. They were really successful. for a while, yeah. Then they had the um, yeah Popeye strap matches or whatever they were called. <laughs> they were they were not as good. But uh, I'm looking forward to uh, 1993 and the it's uh, quite a year. Monday Night Raw, the longest running, so on and so forth. They should use that theme again instead of whatever. They did on the old school Raw, right? Uh, yeah, they did actually. But I'd say bring it back for a bit. Yeah, it's better than um, whatever it is now. Like, whatever. Staying uh, up late, not <laughs> doing homework. WWE, <laughs> barn to the ground tonight. <laughs> and before that, whoa, Was it? I just want to be loved. Mm-hmm. Is that the, that's strange. I want da da da. da. I'm gonna never look back or never think twice. Maria! <laughs> <clears throat> and what was it before that? Um, I told him. That the, the one they had forever about, like, uh, um, it was after the, the Attitude Era song they had, I think, like, the, around the, when they first did the draft. Um, some weird song. Oh, well. This is not pertinent to 1992. It most assuredly is not. I was looking up a theme song for the Raw Wikipedia page, but... It was like, the lies, the money, we're in... Oh, that's right. The, um, good old days, maybe? (laughs) I'm not sure. I don't remember. Go back to the original Raw theme and we'll... uh, We'll cycle around to 2002 uh, years from now. There you go. Someday. All right, that is going to uh, mostly do it for here. I hate to, uh, to somewhat bookend the show on dour notes, but I did want to make a mention of uh, Chris Steffi, who posted as Worship the Ram on the F4W board. Sadly passed away, uh, I believe, a few months ago. And he was a he was a fan of the show. He um, it was a really cool dude. Like I know Justin thought uh, such as well. And uh, I remember after the last show, he also said how much he hated Battletoads and how hard it was. And uh, he was um, and, uh, a really nice guy. I mean, it, like he was a nice guy on the internet. I don't have a lot more insight to say. Yeah. He was also um, said really nice things about uh, the shows we did, which is good for mm-hmm. me because I'm never sure if they're good or not. <laughs> Who knows about this thing? <laughs> it was nice to hear, and it just uh, yeah, really, really unfair. Yep. So that is going to do it for us. We will be back at some point, 1993. Thank you, and. Uh, yeah, if you uh, enjoy the previous episodes, you can check them out at joeversusworld.com. We have, I thought we were up to 70, but I guess this is only 67. So uh, you can check out the prior 66. And uh, also my new project, you can check it out at mikeandtompresent.com. There is a tab for uh, the links to all the uh, videos. They also have a channel on YouTube. You can just search for Judge O'Gagney on YouTube. They'll come up and uh, check them out. What's and, the next um, game you're doing tonight? Yeah. WCW for the Nintendo Entertainment System. I don't even know what that is. 
it was a very curious late entry. <clears throat> it came out in, um, I believe, April of 1990 and had the Road Warriors on the cover when they had <laughs> jumped to the WWF and were uh, to be featured from then on. But, um, yeah, check that out. Do you think Joe vs. the World 69 will really turn things upside down? Oh, I, I, I may just skip that number go right to 70. <clears throat> to avoid jokes like that. Like six. <laughs> exactly. All right, that's going to do it from us. So, uh, just anything to plug. I know you uh, just did a show with Alan, so um, you're you're everywhere in that regard. Ubiquitous, overexposed. Um, you need to get back on uh, Figure Four Daily. That's, you know what? When uh, Joe, Joe, you and myself could be on that show in like 2005, and now I don't think they're going to follow Batista. <laughs> I know, that's true. We were on when uh, when. Needed warm bodies, mm-hmm. and uh, now they have on the internet who thinks some things. <laughs> you know, uh, Todd Martin can take a, a week off. <laughs> I mean, come on, <clears throat> just saying. Yes, I just... could have been me. I could have been Dave's godson's godfather. <laughs> <laughs> there may still be time. You never know. You it never could do. be Dave's grandson's grand godfather. No, no, that's still Todd. Damn it. Aw. I forgot how Come on, Todd. family trees work. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll plug uh, Final Fantasy for the After Years. It's uh, just a weird, weird thing that I didn't know existed. That Sounds good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, as always, linked to March of Dimes, if you can contribute, you certainly aren't obligated to. Uh, we appreciate your, uh, your time. We appreciate you listening, so... On that note, I'm going to uh, close this off before we hit two hours. And uh, Justin, any final words? So many, but next time. All right. Thanks for listening. Talk to you in a while.